Please turn with me to Genesis chapter 23. Genesis chapter 23, we'll be reading the entire chapter. The text for this morning's message comes from the first half of verse 3. There we read at verse 3, Genesis chapter 23. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead. Text for the passage. We'll read the entire chapter, all 20 verses. Here's the word of God Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince amongst us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place that you may bury your dead. Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth, and he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me at the full price as property for a burial place among you. Now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth, all who entered at the gate of his city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. And Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My lord, listen to me, and the land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. And Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Hath, 400 shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. So the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were the which were in all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of the city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as a property for a burial place. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord remains forever.
your brothers and sisters in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, your friends, your family, dear live streamers, to have someone speak on your behalf when you are simply unable is rather a profound thought to know that even in the midst of your absence, your well-being is being considered, defended, and fought for by no strength of your own but on the committed strength of others, is actually a commentary towards the communion of the saints and a good step towards loving your neighbor as yourself. To understand that there is a strength present at your defense that you could never work towards or earn, that it is a strength that will never waver, one that is greater than you could ever hope for, and that is only interested in your honor. What a thought for the weak to consider. What a thought for the strong to consider in their weakness. It is as if a good friend has come to you in your hour of need and says to you, I got this. I got this. Today there has been a death In the family of God. A matriarch. The matriarch of God's promises to Abraham has been laid to rest. Abraham's first love has met the curse of fallen living. It is a sad affair. And that's okay. Death is always tragic. But what happens in light of her death is of great comfort to us. The extent to which Abraham goes to honor her in burial and the significance of what this means is a testament to the extent to which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ went to assure us of eternal life after such death. This, dear believers, is our hope. Even in these days, that should Christ tarry, shall end in death, are linked to future and eternal hope. I have a friend back in Brockville who is in palliative care in the hospital. I'm not sure if it's my rental car. But if it is, someone can take the keys. It's not. I've been spending a lot of time with my brother in Christ. I say that meaningfully. My brother in Christ in palliative care. You should see the hope on his face. We mourn the loss of loved ones who die in the Lord, but they are now with him. This is our confidence when Jesus is in the heart. I do not pray for death, brothers and sisters, but I do pray for Jesus to meet me there. And he promises to do so. Today is a celebration of eternal life coming rooted in the day-to-day living of these days. Let us then honor these days under the glory of eternal days coming. In light of such, I declare to you this morning's theme, through death. Through death, my inheritance in Christ's kingdom is honored. And we have three points for you this morning.
this morning. Firstly, in mourning. Secondly, in acquisition. And then thirdly, in burial. Firstly, through death, my inheritance in Christ's kingdom is honored in mourning. Verse 1 begins with a blanket statement. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of Sarah's life. The passage doesn't go on to describe any aspect of it, but in the spirit of eulogizing, let us together look at her life as Scripture gives it to us. The first thing we learn about Sarah is that she was first called Sarai. At Genesis 11.29, we see that Abram Abram and Nahor took wives and that the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. We learn next that what came with their marriage was barrenness. Genesis 11.30 gives us, but Sarai was barren. She had no child. Genesis 12 verse 4 tells us that Abram was 75 years old when the Lord told them to leave for Canaan. How long Abram and Sarai had already been married, we don't really know. We can only assume, but by today's standards, we could assume perhaps for 50 years and probably longer, they had been married and without children. Now, this is significant to understand for Sarai. They are living in a patriarchal society where generations are generated through much childbearing. Any of you who have dealt with barrenness understand the intimate difficulties that comes with it. But in those days, those difficulties were intimately more difficult. We know particularly with Hagar at Genesis 16... That at times, Sarah, or Sarai, had a hard time dealing with this. I call next, Sarai's profound beauty. Abraham was convinced. He was convinced that her beauty was worth killing over. Genesis 12 continues on to reveal their traveling to Egypt due to famine. At Genesis 12:11, Abram declares as much, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Her beautiful countenance, even as a middle-aged woman, she was around 65, when, 65 years old when they went to Egypt. It stood out. And maybe you want to say, well, a husband will always act Twitter-pated around his wife. Children, if you want a good example of what Twitter-pated is, you need to watch Disney's Bambi along with his friends, Thumper and Flower, when they meet their mates. We could say Abram felt this way about Sarai. But so did the Egyptians. Genesis 12:14 so it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful she was objectively beautiful her countenance stood out if there was a pictorial dictionary back then under beautiful you would have found a picture of Sarai right there Sarah was Sarai was strong-willed too Surely she knew of the promises that God had made to her husband. But at Genesis 16, she takes such matters into her own own hands by giving the hand of her maid to her husband. 
to be his wife, and yet witness the grace of God to her at Genesis 17, just one chapter over, where she is given her eternal name, Sarah. At 90 years old, a child is promised to her and through her. God says the newly named God says to the newly named Abraham at Genesis 17, verse 16, And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she will be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. At Genesis 18, verse 12, Sarah laughs. She laughs in disbelief. And she is divinely corrected. At Genesis 20, she laughs again, but this time out of pure joy as she holds Abraham's and her son of promise in her 90-year-old arms. God is correct. From here, the rest of her life remains a mystery to us. She was 90 when Isaac was born. For 37 more years she lived, Abraham's wife and the mother of his child. Abraham had likely known her for all of her 127 years. She was the daughter of his father, Genesis 20 verse 12. This was a normal and accepted thing as the gene pool back then was not as corrupt as in the days of Moses when such things were commanded against <coughs> Abraham's understanding of Sarah was profound. He was made the father of many, many nations. Kings would come from him, Genesis 17, verses 5 and 6, because Sarah was called to be a mother of nations, for kings of people would come from her. Sarah was God's promise to Abraham. He loved her for who she was. Barrenness and all. He loved her beauty. He loved who God made her into. When Sarah died, a part of Abraham died too. Verse 2 So Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Justifiably so. Now we come to the text of the passage that I've chosen for this morning's message. In Abraham's mourning and in Abraham's weeping, he also becomes her voice and her strength. In this foreign yet promised land, Abraham considers the residents and claims a part of this land for his own to bury his dead. Verses 3 and 4. Then Abraham stood up. Stood up, that word is meaningful to us. He stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Hath, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. It is the most honorable thing he can do. It is as if he is saying to Sarah, I got this. I got this. Sarah will be buried in the land of promise. Her burial shall be marked in this place, representing the eternal promises of God. Abraham couldn't not do so. 
He saw the future in his son Isaac having just returned from the land of Moriah, Genesis 22. That's the story of Isaac's sacrifice. Or not so much. To honor her. To honor Sarah was to bury her here. In rightful mourning, he did so. Well, then secondly, through death, my inheritance in Christ's kingdom is honored in acquisition. A transaction will now take place. Yes, they are in the promised land for the moment and for years coming. This place shall still be known as Kirjath Arba in the land of Canaan. And we will note from earlier chapters Abraham's wealth and riches and strength. He grew richer in Egypt, Genesis 12. He rescued Lot from destruction, Genesis 14. In all that he did, God was with him as verified by Abimelech at Genesis 20 and 21. Abraham makes covenants with others who are blessed just for knowing God's prophet. Be reminded of Mamre, Eschol, and Anner, the Amorites, in their joint rescue of Lot with Abram at Genesis 14. Be reminded more recently of the peace that Abimelech went out of his way to strike with Abraham at Genesis 22. It is worth noting, congregation, that Abraham didn't need the sons of Heth's permission to bury his wife, the wife of his youth here. He had walked this land in Genesis 12. He had inherited it from God at Genesis 13. God had made covenant with him over this land at Genesis 15. And yet, and yet even in all this, Abraham exercises restraint. He had been taught over the years of his life that it is God's good timing and not his that shall usher the promises forward. And so we find him now going about the business of securing ownership for his own. Understandably then, the sons of Heth respond favorably. Verses 5 and 6. The sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place that you may bury your dead. We recognize the relationships Abraham strikes with and keeps with these people, not of the promises of God. We have seen him interact with Abimelech confidently in the name of his God now. I tell you, over his lifetime, we have seen Abraham actually mature. And grow into the prophet he is called out to be at Genesis 12. Such congregation is a stunning example of the Holy Spirit's sanctifying efforts even in the Old Testament. Abraham at this moment represents God so much better in the last days of his life than at the first. So shall be the Holy Spirit's sanctifying efforts in you too, beloved. I digress just a little. Honorably, we now consider Abraham's actions in securing a burial plot for his beloved, verses 
7 to 9, Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth, and he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of the field. Let him give it to me at full price, as property for a burial place among you. Honorably, And there can be honor amongst us in dealing with the world. When the world deals more honorably with us, by the way, than we with them, we ought to be ashamed. Such was Paul's concern with the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 6. Honorably, then, Ephron, the son of Zohar, scholars call him out as a mighty prince among them as well. He responds honorably, verses 10 and 11, now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth, all who entered the gate of his city, saying, No, my Lord, hear me, I give you the field and the cave that is in it, I give it to you at the presence, in the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you, bury your dead. Honorably, Abraham, set apart by the promises of God, to whom he owes all that he is and all that he shall be. Even as innocent as Ephron's offer seems to be, it shall never be said that Abraham stood or stands in debt to this person and so responds as we read at verses 12 and 13. Then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land saying, if you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me and I will bury my dead there. Honorably, Ephron submits. An honorable amount is admitted. The witnesses have witnessed. The amount is weighed out. The transaction takes place. Verses 14 to 16, and Ephron answers Abraham, saying to him, answered Abraham, saying to him, My Lord, listen to me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. And Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out, Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. In all, this, in all these verses, honor is held at a premium. Honor in death is the discussion. Seven times in our passage thus far the term bury my dead or bury your dead is mentioned and a little piece of the promised land is now reserved for the first love of Abraham's life in the name of the Lord who serves him. A queen's burial is sought amongst princes and the Lord grants it smoothly and honorably. It is as if Abraham is saying to Sarah, I got this. I got this. In acquisition, Sarah is honored in death once again. Thirdly, then, through death, my inheritance in Christ's kingdom is honored in burial. Hebron specifically The terebinth trees of Mamre was a particular favorite spot for Abraham. 
At the end of Genesis 13, after having inherited the land from God, God says, Arise, walk in the land through its length and width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar to the Lord there. (coughs) Abraham was dwelling there when Lot was captured, and from there they, that is, he along with Mamre, Eschol, and Aner, leave to perform the rescue, Genesis 14, verse 13. It was there that the Lord appeared to him. It was there that Sarah laughed in disbelief about the son of promise to them, Genesis 18, 1. And it is here, at this favorite spot of Abraham, where he finds a suitable place to bury his wife. It is significant that Sarah is not, for example, taken back to Beersheba and buried in an unmarked grave. It is significant that she is laid to rest, not only in a cave within the borders of the land of promised, within the borders of the land promised to Abraham and his offspring, a place of God's choosing, but also a place explicitly deeded to Abraham. There is current promise in it that looks forward to eternal promises given. Verse 17 and 18. So the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field, and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field which were within all the surrounding borders were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in the gate of his city. In burial there is evidence of death. Sarah's burial was evidence of her passing. The field and the trees and the cave were deeded to Abraham really for an eternity. Now kingdoms now kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. We know this, but as long as the sons of Heth would remain the local power in that place, Abraham's ownership of the land would be honored. It is not a stretch for us to understand such things. We have many homeowners and landowners present here today. It is unthinkable under the current understanding of what ownership means that such ownership will be stolen away. There are laws preventing such. Such was also the understanding back then. That for as long as the owner lives, along with his generations, through his generations, the land shall not be lost. And this Abraham could be confident, for the promises of God are good. This is a reflection again of God's promises made to him. Verses 19 and 20. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife. In the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth, his property for a burial place. Abraham stood up. Verse 3. He stood up before his dead to be the voice of reason and accessibility. He did so to honor his dead. Honorably, in the midst of the acquisition of the land, he stood up, verse 7, and did all that was necessary to secure the burial plot of his beloved. And so honorably, Abraham stands up 
and lays his wife of promise to rest. And yet death would come to these as well. Because even these could not defeat the consequence of the curse. Our catechism explores the life and death of Jesus Christ. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under man. And he died. He really died. Question 41 of the Heidelberg Catechism asks, Why was he buried? And the answer says his burial testifies that he really died. Now let us consider such things for a moment. The burial of Jesus from, God, from, John, from John's gospel is beautiful. I invite you to turn with me there. John 19 verses 38 to 42. John 19 verse 38 to 42. Page 759. Hear the word of God once more. John 19, verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as, was the, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because, the Jews preparation, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. <coughs> As new as Sarah's tomb was for her. The body of our Lord and Savior is cared for in the same way. Much mourning, much tears. Sarah, this mother of nations for kings of people shall come from her. Genesis 17 verse 16 is laid to rest but shall rise again because of what is verified in this new tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. What Sarah's death hopes for is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Beloved in the Lord, Jesus speaks on your behalf. When you are simply unable, it is a rather profound thought to know that even in the event of your absence, your well-being is being considered, defended, and fought for by no strength of your own, but on the committed strength and promise of the Holy Spirit, which is an actual commentary towards the communion of the saints and the final step towards eternal glory. To understand that there is a strength, and here I capitalize strength, to understand there is a strength present at your defense that you could never work towards or earn, that in it a strength, it is a strength that will never waver, one that is greater than you could hope for, and that is only interested in your honor. What a thought for the weak to consider. What a thought for the strong to consider in their moments of weakness. 
It is as if your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has come to you in your greatest hour of need and says to you, I got this. I got this. In coming days, beloved, should our Christ tarry, for from his death he was raised and has ascended and has promised to return, should our Christ tarry, you will die. But because of the person and work of Jesus Christ and in light of his resurrection from the dead, this too shall be your future. Resurrection. Eternal life. Death is not the end of all things, for Jesus has met us there. Death is only beginning, only the beginning. There is honor in it. Through death, your inheritance in Christ's kingdom is honor.